0: What's up, Literacy Advocates? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today is Adriana White. She is a teacher librarian at Shepherd Middle in San Antonio, Texas. She was a special ed teacher for five and a half years, a total of seven and a half years in education, having served elementary and middle. She has two master's degrees, one in library and one in education from University of North Texas and UTSA. And She's one of the staff editors for the website, A Novel Mind, that shares books focused on neurodiversity and mental health. Adriana, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: <laughs> I'm excited to talk to you. Last time you and I talked, I asked you what's a commonly held belief in literacy education that you passionately disagree with. and You uh, talked about how uh, there are books like graphic novels, for example, that are not seen as real books. Now, I've covered this angle in the past on this show, but I'm curious from your background in neurodiversity, how you think about this. So first of all, what do you mean when you say like there are books that are being treated as not real books?
1: Um, Yeah, so something that I saw at the elementary and at the middle school level was students going to the library and just being naturally drawn to things like graphic novels, wimpy kid books, manga, and being told by their teachers, oh, you can't get that, it's not a real book, or you have to get one of those, maybe, and get a real book on the side.
0: Why are kids naturally drawn to those books?
1: I think it's that imagery that comes along with it, because I do feel like, especially if you have a kid who's not very good at reading and is still learning the ropes, I think those images really help them with their comprehension and all of that.
0: For sure. I'm curious why teachers see that as a downside that so they're trying to push their kids away from going after books that have pictures. Um, What's your thought on that?
1: I think for a lot of teachers, it's this idea that you want your kids to excel. You want your kids to be learning as much as possible. We only have so many hours in the school day. So I think a lot of teachers want to, you know, kind of double up on things. Like, yes, I want you to read a book for fun, but it also would be great if you can keep working on your vocabulary and your comprehension and all of these important literacy skills, which are important. But I think for students who are struggling, you know, and still learning how to read, those kinds of things can kind of turn them off because then reading becomes a chore. Reading is too hard. And I think with this focus on academics, we lose sight. I think of the value of just reading books for fun, reading books for leisure and just storytelling. Like um, storytelling is something I'm really passionate about. And I actually had a graduate academic certificate that I completed when I was at UNT based on the idea of storytelling and how we could use it in teaching and training and storytelling is kind of everything. It's one of our oldest pastimes, I think, as human beings. And I think that we talk about, oh, those kids don't like reading. Those kids don't like learning, but all kids love stories. And I think we need to kind of bring back that passion for storytelling, because if you ask a kid, you know, what's happening on social media or who has beef with who, like you will get a story, like kids will talk and tell and other kids will listen. So it is about, I think, finding that passion and letting kids have that freedom to explore stories that may not align entirely with the curriculum in the classroom.
0: Yep, I have a speaker presenter friend who says, never tell, uh, never make a point or never tell a story without a point and never (laughs) make a point without telling a story.
1: Oh, I like and the, that. Reason, the reason he
0: says that is because um, it is the most powerful persuasion vehicle that we have as human beings. We yes. are most persuaded by stories. So almost everything that we do that uh, almost every change in behavior, or I would say pain is a powerful motivator and (laughs) good storytelling is a powerful motivator. And so I agree with you. It is a real skill, a real tangible skill to develop in kids. I want to become a better storyteller. Of course, I depend on it as a kid's book author. I need to be a good storyteller, (laughs) Um, but also just in daily life. I want to be the kind Mm -hmm. of person that in a regular old conversation with friends, um, when Like when I'm talking, I'm telling an engaging story that has, that that there's like a point to it. Or if I'm ever asked to get up and speak, there's a, I have a compelling story to tell that's going to get people laughing and invested along with whatever it is I was asked to, to say. Um, yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. We I, all want to be like understood.
0: <laughs> yes. I've seen people do this masterfully. There's whole conventions that are just all about developing that skill because I've mm-hmm. been in the room where it's like where I'm in the audience and somebody asked a friend like hey, you know to to get up and say a few words about somebody that's about to speak. And the person gets up and instead of saying a few words about that person, they go, "Well, I could get up and tell you a bunch of things about this person, but instead, let me tell you a story about a time when, and then all of a sudden we're all invested. Yes. Um, (laughs) Anyways, a long winded way of saying, I completely agree with you about the skill of storytelling. You said something interesting the last time we talked that you believe that students can still get everything that we want them to get out of literacy, reading graphic novels.
1: Yes, definitely. And so I think when some people imagine graphic novels, they think of like the comic strips in the Sunday paper where it's like a three panel, you know, Snoopy thing or something where it's just, oh, it's just a punchline. It's just a joke people miss out on the fact that we have such a wide range of graphic novels now where you have things like march which talks about john lewis and all this uh racial justice stuff and you have like um jared chris i butchering his last yeah. name yeah i've had but, him on the uh, show oh, really? yeah oh, awesome yep. um so his his graphic novel hey kiddo deals with like family and abuse of you know Uh, addiction and all kinds of just amazing stuff. So I feel like. Which by the way,
0: if anybody listening, if you're a teacher of third grade, you probably already know about the Lunch Lady series, but if you don't. Yes. (laughs) uh, I'm a huge fan.
1: Yes. The Lunch Lady series is awesome. Um, So a lot of these graphic novels now we have these more serious, you know, things and they are like experimenting. And I think that if you try and if you even just look online, you can probably find a lot of teaching guides where people have already done some of that hard work of sh- showing this is how you can teach inference with graphic novels and this is how you can teach vocabulary and I feel like it's all in there it's just kind of I think like learning a new language and I think teachers who are already very overworked and very stressed out don't really have the you know the the time they think to explore how to teach things in this different way with the graphic novels. But I do encourage them to try it because kids respond so much to them. They love this visual thing because I think it matches up kind of what everything else they do. They watch TV, they play video games, they go on social media, lots of visuals. So it makes sense that they like it. all of those things are
0: extremely visual. So here's the thing though, this is the devil's advocate position that I've heard that I find (laughs) compelling. So I, I find this very compelling Uh, and I didn't originally, but it's the idea that like, if I, if I'm going to teach somebody how to swim, for example, Mm -hmm. like they're going to, I want them to be, I want them to under my tutelage, I want them to become a competent swimmer. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes. I want them to fall in love with swimming because if they fall in love with swimming, they're going to be a more committed swimmer. So I (laughs) I want that to happen, Mm -hmm. but I have to make them do the stuff that sucks. Mm -hmm. If they don't get really good At doing the stuff that sucks Then they're not going to be a competent swimmer
1: Yeah and I've heard this before In terms of like graphic novels um, The same kind of argument And I guess in those cases I would say If you don't want to you know, go all in. I guess, you know, we don't have to abandon normal novels entirely, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, I'm really a big fan of pairing things. Like when people talk about the canon and teaching old books, I'm always like, teach an old book next to a modern book that has the same themes. You can compare them. So you can kind of do the same thing with graphic novels. Like pick a graphic novel that talks about something, pick a regular book. You can compare them, contrast them, and talk about them. And you know, at the very least, we could also see graphic novels as a stepping stone toward those more difficult books for those kids who aren't ready for them yet. I think graphic novels can help give them that confidence to eventually, you know, be willing to deal with that hard stuff, because I you know, think when okay. you... oh, <laughs> uh,
0: right. sorry, to I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> I, I'm having, like, in, in my mind, the analogy of the swimming is, like, now yes. bleeding into this graphic novel uh, conversation... <laughs> and so i would view i would view like when i was a swimmer Mm -hmm. my coach mixed in like painfully difficult drills with the stuff that he knew we all wanted to do like everybody wants to swim breaststroke breaststroke Mm -hmm. is like going on vacation while you're swimming (laughs)
1: uh
0: and i was a i was breaststroke was my main stroke so Mm -hmm. for me it was it was something that i i was very serious at getting good at but but for most swimmers uh myself included it's it's like if you do like really hard like flip turn drills and then Mm -hmm. you get to like okay we're not going to do flip turn drills for a little while now let's just do um let's do breaststroke or even more fun let's do upside down breaststroke upside (laughs) for any if anybody's listening that's not a swimmer they're like what the heck is he talking about if you're listening and you are a swimmer you're like yes upside down breaststroke is like what you would do uh while you're on vacation Mm -hmm. um so uh but but there's this, There's a couple things that's happening. One is um, I think that I think that part of being a competent swimmer is getting good at breaststroke. So if we extend the analogy, part of being a competent reader and storyteller and story understander is being competent when it comes to graphic novels. Mm-hmm. Um, while also graphic novels do serve as a stepping stone, and um, you are going to be better at your you're going to read graphic novels more competently and more enjoyably if you've done the stuff that sucks. If you just keep yeah. doing the stuff that sucks. And probably also the stuff that sucks won't suck as much when you're <laughs> mixing in a lot of graphic novels. The
1: graphic. Yeah. So definitely I think teachers need to strike that balance, I guess, because I think if you, if you weigh too much towards like the, you know, not fun stuff, then you, you'll kind of lose kids entirely and I think that might be where I'm coming from as a special ed teacher is that I do see a lot of kids who are like, I can't read a novel. I am not a reader. I'm never going to try. And they just quit the class to make your analogy. You know, they quit the swimming class and yeah. we definitely don't want that. But you're right. There is that balance that needs to be struck between and the hard you know, stuff of reading. Yeah. Um, I think the best way I usually describe it is, you know, teachers in the classroom, those they are teachers are the ones who are doing a lot of the standards-based stuff. So when a kid comes to the library, I want them to have that freedom to, you know, explore and find something fun then, because I only get to see them like every two weeks. And I'm that, you know, rare little piece of reading candy that they get in the, you know, the long line of eating healthy meals in the classroom, <laughs> if that makes yeah. sense.
0: But I, yeah, <laughs> I think, I think that even the classroom, I, 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 this gets back to the, how this whole conversation started, which is it's oftentimes mm-hmm. teachers that are pushing kids away from reading graphic novels.
1: Yeah, uh, that's true. And
0: pushing them towards reading like thicker, beefier, more academic or more nuanced, uh, non-picture novel type books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm of course calling that quote, the stuff that sucks i mean that facetiously there is an element of suckitude to it if you're if you love graphic novels and your teacher pushes you to read something that's got no pictures in it there is an element of suckitude uh, to that it's
1: it can be hard yeah
0: i will say using the swimming analogy there's a there's a there's a pride that comes with Mm -hmm. like when you can execute flip turns flip turns suck at first but when you can start executing them well There is a serious amount of pride that comes with that, that causes you to start to love it. Yes, Uh, definitely. And I think, I think that the goal of finding the balance, at least one of the goals needs to be geared towards creating that, creating that sense of pride of going uh, of like a student feeling like they are a super competent reader of anything.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I know this is something that comes up a lot when we're talking about the, you know, the kids who are struggling this idea of effort. And um, I know people talk about the idea of praising a kid for a job well done versus praising a kid for being smart, because kids might think, you know, smartness is just what I am, but effort is something I can do. So you do want to, you know, encourage the kids to keep trying and to keep going. And unfortunately for some kids who have, you know, have had a really difficult time with reading, they're kind of traumatized. And I feel like there's, um, I can't think of her name right now, but there's a librarian that has talked about this. It might be Donalyn Miller is what I'm thinking of, where she talks about kind of correcting the trauma of kids who've had years of being told they have to read the bad stuff, quote unquote, and not the fun stuff and how you can kind of get them back in the swimming pool, so to speak. So I guess what I'm talking about from my perspective as a special ed teacher, I guess I am kind of focusing more on this subsection of struggling readers. But I do think the lessons that we learn from working with those kids can be applied elsewhere and can benefit some of these other kids like our English language learners do really good with graphic novels. Um, Gifted kids who might be bored with the usual stuff that they're reading might find, you know, graphic novels more interesting. So it's this really complex thing that, and it's so funny to think that we just started with graphic novels, but now we're kind of talking about like literacy and, you know, skills and all this big stuff.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I also just want to advocate for this. And this is something that I've said on this podcast a bunch of times um graphic novels stand on their own as Mm -hmm. a truly legitimate art form and type of media and if you're good at graphic novels meaning like you're a voracious consumer of graphic novels and then i of course i'm biased in saying this but i would extend that to say you can also make graphic novels you can you can write them you can draw them Mm -hmm. um you're going to you're potentially going to have a pretty awesome career if you pursue that as a career. And I don't just mean like growing up and making graphic novels for a living. That is one way that you could turn that skill into a career. But mm-hmm. another way to turn that skill into a career is pretty much any form of uh, of, uh, of um, visual media. Yes. Almost yes. every form of visual media, visual media starts out as a storyboard.
1: Yeah, definitely. Even
0: YouTube videos. Uh, Mm -hmm. like the highly produced ones, they start out as storyboards. Yeah. So
1: so you can get really good at this art
0: form. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I just, I always like to advocate for that because I feel like it gets like, it's not, it doesn't get the attention that it deserves.
1: Yeah. I think that's true. Like we, we tell kids, you know, you need to be a good reader because you need to have critical thinking skills and understand stuff, but it's definitely true. You know, that kids also need to be good storytellers and you know, if they're good, illustrators or designers, then yeah, these are all like really great skills that, like you said, don't necessarily have to be a, I'm going to be an author type thing. You know, it could just be a good, you know, planner, like someone who's good at making a graphic novel might make like really good PowerPoint presentations for all I know. Like, yes, yes. you know, so
0: <laughs> I would also just slightly argue with, and you're not the problem, Adriana, when you said this, but I have heard this a lot and you probably don't even believe this, um, but, uh, if they're, you said, if they're good, if they're also good artists, so that's mm-hmm. for me, uh, that grates against me a little bit. And like <laughs> I said, you're not the problem. Um, but it is something that I hear often from lots of different people as if being a quote, good artist is this intrinsic quality that you either mm-hmm. have or don't have. It is a yes. skill like anything else
1: that you it can practice, yeah. like anything
0: else that you can okay. practice and, and develop. And, mm-hmm. and I would argue, you don't even have to be in the classical sense, that good of an artist to be a good storyboardist. <laughs> yeah. So storyboarding is part of what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my storyboards are dang near uh, stick figure drawings that I'm handing <laughs> off to a professional illustrator. Mm-hmm. So I'm handing off stick figure type storyboards to a professional illustrator just so that she can get an idea of the vision that I have in my head for this particular thing that we're yeah. working on. Yeah, um, that's
1: a good point. Um, the art teachers at my school, we have a fine arts academy and I think that's something they try to push a lot is to say, even if you don't think you're a good artist, you still you know, can make things and you can still benefit from learning how to think visually. I guess that would be a better way to put it. Learning learning how to think think visually visually.
0: is really good. And also just like, if there's one thing I want to encourage, like so many students about, it's like, if you can think visually and you can at least translate that visual picture that you have in your mind into some sort of messy uh, sketch even if it, quote, looks horrible to the average person, a, an artist who makes a living making art can look at that sketch and catch the vision that you have in your head.
1: Yes. And yeah.
0: that's a really good skill to develop that our, I mean, in my opinion, our school system just doesn't teach kids. You've got to go yeah. outside the school system to work on that skill.
1: Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. definitely.
0: Anyways, we're way off topic. I wanted to <laughs> I wanted to close with just one, one thing from you, Adriana. And that's if uh, for anyone who's listening, they're a teacher, they want to work on helping to change the culture in their school around how people think about graphic novels. What have been what has been something or some things that you found help to affect the culture of thinking about graphic novels?
1: oh man, I feel like this is such a a big thing. And I feel like for me, a lot of what I do that probably helps is kind of the modeling of it. Like I book talk graphic novels and I talk about what I enjoy reading in them and how great they are. And it is something that I think perhaps one-on-one is the best way that I've kind of done it is by showing individual teachers like, hey, you've got to look at this, you know, graphic novel adaptation of Jason Reynolds long way down, like, this is amazing, you know, and, and I start talking to them about, you know, you could try it, you know, with this, and you could do this with it, or you could teach this. And it just becomes, I think, something they need to see the concrete ways of using it. I think we need to make instead of the abstract, make it concrete. So I guess what I should do going forward as a librarian is probably have some kind of presentation or mini Mm. professional development session where I just tell them like, hey, here are my favorite graphic novels. Here's why they're awesome. And here are some concrete examples that you can take with you and start using, you know, like right away to, you know, teach certain things in your classroom. Um, I think just show- if you put
0: that together, Adriana, (laughs) I would love for you to circle back around. I'd love to have you back on and we could just, you could just do like a podcast episode type version of that presentation.
1: Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And now I'm thinking because like a lot of the other stuff that I do professionally as a librarian is focused on like neurodiversity and mental health and social emotional learning. And that would also be this really great thing to kind of compare the art styles of different things, you know, the the painterly art style of hey kiddo versus, you know, this very clean style of Raina Telgemeier's, you know, graphic novels like There's so much there (laughs) that I'm excited to kind of dive into. (laughs)
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, Yeah, whenever you whenever you have that put together, please uh, please DM me and be like, I'm ready to get back on the podcast.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Will do, definitely.
0: (laughs) How should listeners connect with you?
1: Um, I am on Twitter most of the time at uh, Adriana underscore edu. So A D R A I A N A underscore edu. Um, I do have like Instagram or they can find me under Adriana L. White, but I'm not on there quite as much as Twitter. Yeah, Um, no teachers are. (laughs) Right? It's like there's something about Twitter that teachers just love. So that's where they are. So that's where I go to find them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for being on my podcast.
1: Yeah, it was great. And I had a good time talking about all of these great things with you.